Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I'm joined with RPC or RPC80, who has been a card counter for a number of years and is on uh, Blackjack Apprenticeship as well as other card counting forums. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Colin. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Good, good. Well, uh, why don't we start off? Just share with us how long you've been counting cards. Ah, so that's a two-part answer. Um, Ten years will be this year. Um, eight of them, I would say, either professionally or semi-professionally, however you want to call it. So, What about those other two years? Uh, the other two years, I, those are kind of my starting out phase. So, uh-huh. so the, the first year, honestly, I took, when I first discovered this, uh, actually I saw the uh, Breaking Vegas uh, Tommy Highland video. Um, uh-huh. and that's how I, I kind of got started. I was uh, home and uh, just not doing much of anything at the time. I saw that and uh, interest me. From there, I, I, I went out and found the book, Playing Blackjack as a Business, and picked up a couple other books. And um, yeah, I started from there. And for the first eight months, I just read and, and practiced. And uh-huh. then after that, I actually went out and started you know, doing betting small amounts. Um, losing and, and, and somewhat winning and still doing some things wrong, but um, kind of the second year, it kind of came all together. Um, and then I started getting into forums and meeting some interesting people, and they were showing me the different things I was doing wrong or weren't fully understanding about the game. And then I took another four months after learning some of those things and repolished my game and then went back out and played. Okay, so that's actually, um, man, you stuck with it. I think probably a lot of people wouldn't have that uh, drive to take a couple years to really perfect the craft. What What do you think motivated you? Uh, I, I'm a former athlete, and uh, I just have that drive. You know, I, I'm not going to let something uh, beat me, uh, especially something that I'm interested in. So it's just that inner drive that I, I've always had in life to uh, go out and whatever I'm going to put my heart and soul to try to perfect and, and be the best at. So, Did you have any sort of goal when you first got into card counting? To be honest with you, no. It was kind of like, it was just cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was going through some personal things, and my, my daughter had just been born. Uh, it, was just, it was just kind of like a, a mental stimulating exercise for me. And I really had no goals. I really had no... Uh, foresight and, and, and saying I'm going to make a million dollars or anything like that. I just kind of, just kind of wanted to do it. Yeah. So can you share with people a little bit of what you do for your day job? Uh, I am a technical operations specialist for a, uh, for a well-known financial institution, um, meaning that I support high-speed technical trading. You you do what? <laughs> I'm a computer guy in, in, in layman's terms, but on okay. high speed uh, electronic trading. So okay, uh, there's two types of trading. There's floor trading and there's electronic trading. Electronic uh-huh. trading be like your your e trade or or some of the uh, some of the commercial uh, electronic brokerage that go around where you can do it yourself. Um, okay. And support that platform. Okay, and you were telling me the other day that that kind of enables you to get 
a lot of blackjack trips in. Can you explain how that works? So um, the department I work in is uh, 24, 365, even on Christmas and New Year. So there's always somebody there. Um, and it's a, really good, it's, it's a really good opportunity. They give us a lot of time off. Uh, so uh, when I saw you, uh, I had just worked a weekend. And usually when you work a weekend, they give you the next week off because the weekend shift, you're there for 12 hours a day, two days. And I'm assuming it's the job pays okay? Yeah, I do pretty well. <laughs> so the, uh, the reason I ask is because when you're saying you didn't really have a goal, it just seemed cool. You know, that's, uh, I always try to understand why people get into car Kang. For me, it was like, I didn't want to go back to working evenings at Red Robin. I didn't want to go back to school. And I was just trying to find a way to, you know, kind of fill in the the gap financially. And, but then other people, you know, I, I didn't have a good paying job. Uh, I was making, you know, one or 200 bucks a week. Uh, substitute teaching, but but there's another group of people that get into it. Not, I mean, the money's part of it, but there's there's this other drive, and I would say it seems like you fit into that category where you've you've got incredible discipline. <laughs> um, you you don't need the money, but but you want to beat the game. You want to make money at it, and uh, something else drives you. Do, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, if you put it in that sense, it's like I said. As uh, I, I play. Uh, a sport every year and um that it's, it's baseball it, it kind of filled in the gap from when i don't play baseball that competitiveness yeah that, that's wanting to win that drive to, to succeed you know after the summer's over it's kind of like you're just waiting for march to roll around so you can play again and um yeah hard counting counting kind of filled that goal for me right there where i wanted to go and and be competitive for the rest yeah. of the year after October. So I think that that's where it kind of fell in and, and fit into. I, I totally, I totally get that. I resonate with that a lot. So you're, uh, can you go a little bit into the similarities between what you do kind of on wall street or, you know, with, with trading and then card counting? Volatility. Um, I, I, I see a lot of market volatility and it's the same thing as in blackjack you know the, you have this information um you, you can have all the knowledge and information in the world but the, the volatility factor is still the same you know people have get information for trades or you know whatever uh, news outlet or they read saying like this is going to happen but you know sometimes it, it turns on the other side no matter how much you know and, and blackjack's kind of the same way even though we know we have an advantage, you know, there's still that variance of volatility where, you know, even though we have an advantage, we can still lose. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of yeah. both sides of the house when it comes to, you know, trading and, and, and blackjack itself. Which do you think has more volatility? Oh, that's a good question. I honestly, for me, I kind of think that it's, it's, it's equal. Um, it's just depending on what your your willing uh, willingness to put your money in, right? And how much money it's the same risk, you know. If you're, yeah. if you're betting, you know, or thousands of dollars, or you're investing thousands of dollars, it's whatever your your risk you're willing to put up, and the volatility, I think, is about the same. Yeah, I I would think with either you have to have just an an iron stomach, you know, you can't you can't let that volatility um, wear you down. 
I, I know a lot of people are now into the, the cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, the, the guys were sitting there when it was at 20000 a share saying, I'm going to hold on. And then and three weeks later, it's at $6,000, you know? It's just mm-hmm. that, that wrenching, like, I should have done this or I should have done that, you know? And Flytax the, the kind of, I think, the same way. You know, you have the information and... And even though you put the money out, there, there's that chance that you, you could lose you know, $3,000 in a matter of a couple of hands. So. Yep. I remember, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or something I read, and this was kind of um, when the market was recovering from the recession. And what what I heard or read was that the only demographic that made money through the recession was people 60 years and older. And the, the reason why is because they'd been through it before. They'd seen it and it didn't phase them. You know, uh, they, they didn't panic and, and sell off stocks. If anything, they bought when the market dropped. Um, and uh, I think whatever that is, that whether it's um, just trusting it or whether it's that you've been through it before, there's something about not, not letting, you know, a drop phase you not having a losing session or a losing streak at the casino or, you know, with whatever investment, assuming it's a positive EV investment. The, the market's funny. Um, everything you, all the information you need to know on what you should do in the market is literally in your local newspaper or in, or in your national syndicated newspaper. I mean, you read about what's going on in the world. You can make savvy decisions on what you should invest your money in. That's really interesting. I'll take your word on that. <laughs> so, how many hours do you get to play each year? Between you know, with a full time job and with a uh, you know, uh, baseball schedule. Uh, with my with the baseball schedule and my and my daughter, who's a, a loving handful, um, I'm still able to get between four and five hundred hours for the year. Four and five hundred. Yeah, the equivalent yeah. of four hundred hours for the year. So, um, what's, I mean, that's a lot. That's, I think Tommy Highland says he tries to get 500 hours a year and, and, uh, I guess you, you, you could say he's semi-retired or, or with his golf habit, he, uh, you know, has, has other priorities, but you know, you're still with a full-time job with a daughter and, you know, the baseball schedule, uh, you're essentially a part-timer. Can you share a little bit about your perspective being a advantage player as a part-timer? Um, I, for me playing part-time, um, I, I, I do things kind of, kind of differently. I have a, a different mentality, uh, to my approach to the game at time. Um, it's, it's for profit, but it's, it's for fun as well. And it, 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 it is kind of to, feel my need to get in trouble every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I look at things kind of differently. I'm not really worried about, you know, getting burnt out of places or, or, or anything like that. Um, on the on the part-time side of it, I, I think uh, it's just like, uh, like it is part-time. It's just one side of my life that I enjoy doing um, when I have free time. And uh-huh. else going on. It, and it continues after ten years to fill that that need or that desire. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I I kind of thought after probably like year five, it, um, 
you know, after getting chased out of a couple places and <laughs> seeming like, you know, my black deck career was over because I couldn't go here or there. But um, no, it, it, every year I, I literally play the same market um, and I still get four to five hundred hours. And um, yeah, it still it still fuels that piece. It's, you know, when baseball season's over, um, I'm, I'm back to playing blackjack again. And when baseball season's in the midst of it. My hours cut down a little bit, but as soon as October hits, I'm, I'm, I'm back at it. You know, the table's hardcore, so. That's really interesting. I feel like a lot of people need to hear that, that you can, I know, you know, Tommy Highland said that other people have said you can hit the same markets over and over, uh, but I think a lot of people don't, don't believe it. I mean, you probably can't hit the same market every month, but if you have an annual rotation, what, what does it look like, you know, uh, are there diminishing returns? on hours uh, after after each year no no i i i get the it's about the same and i i say like this just be wise about you know if, you, if you've been on my point if i've been kicked out of somewhere I, i'm just smart about it i'm not going back there you know you know next two weeks uh, I'll, I'll take some time off i'll, I'll hit another market or i might take a, a trip somewhere else in the country for a while and um and, and play there, but for the most part, like I come back and, and sometimes I get, you know, a little bit more hours than I would expect and sometimes I, I, I get a little less, you know, but mm-hmm. I still go back. I'm, I'm not afraid to go back um, or I've, I've been trespassed. I've been walked out by stadies. I've been walked out by stadies and security and, you know, sometimes the guys just joke with me like, you know, we'll see you in 45 days. <laughs> yeah, basically, so, you know, I, I try to change up my look. I, I change up, you know, my, my approach to things on, on, on how I might start out my bets, things like that. And, and those keep me in the running for getting more rounds slash hours in that joint uh-huh. that I walked out of. So. so so there's volatility both with the financial swings, but also market volatility, getting hours in. Uh, you know, you said one trip you might get more hours than you're expecting another trip less and i think you got to have the stomach for that as well you can't plan on how many hours you're going to get you just have to you know go for it and see what happens yeah i, I mean I, I one of the recent trips i, I i've taken um I, I i drove an hour to this place and you know i i literally got 45 minutes of play before you know like hey mr blah 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 and you know they, they walked me out the door and then I, you know, I just got in my car and, and drove another hour and a half to the, to the next spot. And it's just that drive, willingness to do it and not having, you know, being shaded because you got kicked out of somewhere that your, your trip should end because the next place is going to be the same. You know, you, you just keep trucking along. I think yeah. that's to, for people to know that, you know, it's because you got walked out of one place, go to the next place. Go to as many places as you can. You know, the only thing that's going to suffer is the mileage on your car. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you treat your bankroll as a part-time player? Do you have a dedicated blackjack bankroll or how's that work? Uh, so I don't have control of my bankroll. My my daughter does because she knows where it is. And every time I have her, she plays with it. So every once in a while, I'm missing a $100 bill here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not that she takes it. It's just like she she plays with it. And it's just like you have to look like, oh, here's here's the 100 I'm missing. Um no, I, I, for me, I, I treat my bankroll uh, like a business, uh, like every other professional would. Um, 
I kind of pay myself monthly, and then I give myself a bonus at the end of the year. And then what I'll what I'll do is at the end of the year I'll say, all right, well this year, 2019, I want to start with a sixty thousand dollar bankroll, you know, because last year maybe I started with a forty. So I allocate whatever it takes to get that number to sixty, and the other side of it, I you know I I take it I. I put it away. I put it away for my daughter. Or I, I, I do stuff for my daughter or um, I I invest in, in, in some of the other investment things I have going on. So I, I, I literally treat it as a business. I try to keep myself financially strapped enough where um, I'll never have to dip into something else. So, yeah. Do you do you have money in cryptocurrency? I unfortunately what I do, I, I cannot invest in anything in the market. So, oh, OK. And that's considered part of the bucket yeah, yeah it, i i'm allowed privileged information that oh yeah person doesn't have so unfortunately i cannot invest in the market okay i don't have any money in cryptocurrency i was just curious um so you use a different count than high low which is you know what every team i've been a part of has used and what we teach at blackjack oppression but we've got plenty of other members that use a different count but uh why why do you what what count do you use and why i use the revere point count um and like everybody in 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 everybody's story i didn't start off with the revere point count um to be honest with you even uh even after picking up the book playing blackjack uh there's three other counts in that book um, I, I kind of gradually made my way to the Revere Point count, and it was only because, like I said, it, I looked at some of the numbers between high-low and different things, and for me, I wanted something that I had to train every day to use, and the Revere Point count for me made it like that. Even to this day, I probably still train myself maybe not as often, but maybe two times a week. You know, uh-huh. have to stay on top. You know, it's a multi-level count. I know about seventy indices from minus two to plus twelve. Um, so, for me, that's what I wanted. The challenge of like playing baseball, where you have to work at it every day. I wanted something yeah. like oh, where I had to work at it every day. Oh, that's really interesting. So, do you think? Have you found that it gives you more time at the tables, or no? I used to think like that, but. In the beginning, but no. I mean, casino personnel, surveillance, they're watching the money. Um, it's, it's with any type of advantage play, it's your bet that gives you away and, and, and what you're betting and how you're betting um, that gives you away. I, I don't think that having one counter or another is going to make you survive longer in this game. Um, so I, I used to, but no. Okay. I, I think that's really interesting and that makes sense. If you're looking for you know, to do this for the challenge, for the competitiveness, um, you know, that's, that's a way to continually push yourself and to, to kind of force a higher standard than maybe is necessary. But if you're doing it just for the money, it's maybe not, not necessary to, I mean, uh, clearly high low is working for people. My advice and everybody I talk to is like, treat it the same, treat it, treat it as a, like a, a business, you know, be, be serious about it. If, if you're going out there for, for fun, you know, then, you know, use KO or something like that. But even if you're doing that, be serious about it. You know, and you're, you're going out there and, and you're betting your own money. You're, whatever that risk entails on your side, you're still going out there and betting money. So 
it's always good to whatever you're using, just be serious about it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been at this 10 years and you've met, I mean, you've, you've been to a boot camp, and, and you've met, I don't know, at least dozens, if not more, uh, card carriers and advantage players, um, you know, from the people you've, you've met and some of the, the typical ways that, uh, card counters do things. How have you found creative ways to think outside the norm? Uh, um, well, I don't, you read the books and they tell you to do this, you know, you got to go from min to max and you shouldn't play at this table and you shouldn't do that. But I've, I've kind of, in my own perspective, and you know, I tell people this and it's, I tell them the risk is what you want it to be, right? I have played at levels that kept me at 1% and I've played at levels that kept me at, you know, eight or nine percent oh wow but the, the reward out of that was i played quality games mm-hmm. as my bank holds built you know it's in this game if you put that money on the belt your your risk of ruin is, is a roller coaster and bet after bet right it's never gonna stay below one percent as you play your session I say that you go out there and you play the game as possible and you play with discipline to know when to walk away when you don't have a, an advantage or it looks like that you're, uh, you have to go deeply into a shoot where you know you have a higher risk. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a $5,000 bankroll and the best game at the casino is a, a $50 game, uh, I'm not saying, you know, go run to it, but don't shy from it. Give it a shot. You know, go in there with a plan. You know, you might not be able to sit there through a, a minus one, so leave. Usually games like that are no mid-shoot entry. If you leave, you can use that to your advantage because they're going to shuffle up. So you can, you can shoot. So I, take your shots. Um, I, I don't think you have to follow the status quo of saying I need to keep my risk at, at this level if you can find a game that's the best game in the casino. I'm not happy going out and blowing your whole bankroll but i'm just saying just be smart and uh it's, it's not there's nothing wrong with taking shots here i think probably a lot of it has to do with how well you could build another bankroll if if you know losing your bankroll means you're never counting cards again or it's going to be five years you probably can't afford to take those shots but if you could you know Take some time, save up some money, and build another bankroll. There's, there's nothing wrong with uh, a little bit of risk in the short term. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But like I said, it's when I talk to people about my experiences, my first thing is it's, it's whatever financially is feasible for you. That's my first message. Yeah. And even now, I'm saying it, it's it's whatever financial is feasible for you. If you, if you can't afford to to do that, or like you said, losing it's going to be end all be all of your card count career maybe you should but if if it's not then i i say it's all right for you to take a shot here and there. yeah absolutely uh i'd agree with that so you've been playing 10 years probably five thousand hours roughly give or take uh what have you learned over those years about um kind of how you how you handle the table environment oh uh, i'm in these 10 years, I, I've 
been more, I've learned to be in tune with myself and with the casino. Like if, if I start off with myself, if, if you know you're, you know, it's, it's one of those days where you just can't get a win and, and you're frustrated and, you know, you just, your mind is elsewhere, I don't play anymore. You know, I'll go, I'll get some need, I'll, I'll, I'll rest up, whatever it is. When you're feeling like that, that that's just a, a tail sign for bad things to come. Yeah. You're going to forget to do things. Your, your mind is elsewhere. You, you need to be focused. Um, with the casino, I'm more in tune on what's going on around me. Who's behind me? Who's to my left or right? What the pit are doing? You know, I, I find that keeps me um, out of trouble for the most part, per se, in my session, if I can pinpoint who key people are in the pit, right? Um, I also keep out for for dealers, you know, dealers that sit there and, and talk to you and, and try to make slide remarks about, oh, good call and stuff like that. Those are the same people when they go on their break, go run and snitch on you yep. <laughs> and, and tell that, oh, this, I think this guy is counting. And there's been times where I've been, you know, gotten the tap. You know, this guy just went on break five minutes ago. I've been there for four hours. He goes on break for five minutes, and two minutes later, I get attacked. You know, it's, so it's you just try to stay in tune about what's going on around you and um, with yourself and in your environment. I mean, if you have a bad feeling, leave. You know, if you know there's nothing on the casino until two hours from you, well, stay until you get attacked, and and then just burn it out. You know, because I've if they're going to let you play for another two hours before they tap you, that, that's more rounds, that's more hours, that, that's more opportunity. So, the, the way I think about it is that there's a science to card counting and there's an art to it. And you can teach the science and you can give advice about the art, but, you know, there's, there's a part of that art form of sensing heat, you know, and, and kind of being, being able to uh, gauge what's going on that, that, you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to be perfect at, but you talk to enough people that have played as many hours as you have, or, you know, any of, any of the pros at blackjack apprenticeship and, and they've kind of built that sixth sense of he, and yeah, we're never perfect at it. Sometimes, you know, you think you're going to get backed off and you get another 10 hours in at that casino and other times you think there's no heat and you get the tap, but there does seem to be this uh, kind of awareness that you build up over time. Um, so I, I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the awareness you build up it will will save you out of a lot. And like I said, it's take that awareness and 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 if you're a newbie, write it down, uh, make notes of it. You yeah, know, you be aware of everything. If, if the person in front of you just try to cash out three thousand dollars and they ask them for ID, make a mental note of that. Now you already have the information on this casino that you never walked into. That three thousand dollars is a threshold limit. Yeah, they're going to ask you the price. You know, it's it's simple things like that that you, you should be um, in tune to when you casino. You know, you, you overhear somebody talking. That's information. Store that information that you have somewhere and 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 save it. That's helpful for you. Absolutely. And then uh, do us all a favor and put a, a comment in Casino 411 that that casino has a $3,000 threshold because, you know, I want to know that before I go into a casino to know how much I, I can cash out. And uh, the more we can share that with each other, the more we can all scratch each other's backs. 
the sad part about it is I've, I've played in, you know, in the casino and ran into different advantage players and, and stuff like that and, and kind of people who are on the newer side. And you'd be surprised that there's op- open talk jargon going on in the pit about certain things, and you hear it. And, uh, you know, those same players I've, I've seen walk the floor, and, and they just disregard that information, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if, if, if I know that, okay, well, so-and-so is coming on, on shift and, you know, well, he's, he just got off dealing, right? But now he's just going to sit there and watch the floor while they go on break. Well, now I know this guy is totally un, unqualified to be behind there. He's just basically punching numbers in, in that little kiosk. So I have an opportunity to go as hard as I can for as long as he's out there. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people just ignore information like that. You know, you see... You, you see a guy, he's got the he's got the jacket on, but look at his shirt. If he has a dealer shirt on, if that guy's just sitting there relieving somebody. Go as hard as you can for as long as he's there. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna know anything that's going on. He's just a bot. And people just ignore stuff like that. You, you should be really in tune about what's going on in your surroundings. That's really that's really great advice. I hope people hear that and take note of it. So over the last 10 years, and I've been ask, asking this question of a few people lately. I just did uh, some interviews with uh, some other people that have been at it for 10 to 15 years, not for the podcast, but for some for another project. But I just wanted to ask, you know, over over these last 10 years, what's changed for you? Uh, other than um, <laughs> my OSN profile? Um, <laughs> um a lot of things. Um, the way I see the game has changed. My, my approach to the game has always evolved over the last 10 years. Um, my bankroll has changed over the last 10 years. Um, uh, I, I find that I, I get more enjoyment because I, I, I know that at some point, you know, this venture in my life is going to come to an end. And, you know, I enjoy the people that I meet or, or run into and get the chance to talk to and talk blackjack with. Um, I, I enjoy the, the trips I go on. Um, I enjoy now having uh, uh, my koala, my, my partner in life. Uh, she goes on with me. I enjoy that she enjoys coming with me mm-hmm. and, and, and being part of my, <laughs> my side hustle. So I, for me, what's changed in this game is... Uh, I would, I would say everything. Everything's changed. This game's changed my life. It's, it's changed the way I think of things out, outside of blackjack when it comes to being savvy about things. Uh, it's, it's changed the way I, I, I view industries and, and certain people in those industries. So um, I'm very grateful for the game of blackjack, finding me at a time where I need to be found. So. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Um, a couple of technical questions that kind of popped into my brain while you're talking. What what bankroll size did you start with? Oh, my first bankroll year one and two was my five thousand dollar bonus I got from work. Uh huh. And between years one and two, yeah, I blew that. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, when I got to halfway through year two, I put my other bonus into that and then like I said I, I start to find people and, and give advice from different people on the forum, you being one of them um, and then for real, from there my career kind of 
like took off. So, so, so do you, I, do you think blowing that bankroll was uh, mistakes you were making or was it over betting or? It was everything. I was making mistakes. I, I, I for example, uh, for some reason, I didn't have the concept of like, you should you know, stand at 16 on, on certain things uh-huh. or there was just certain that I, I didn't understand. And then, you know, you do you look at it through software and what it was costing you every time you do those wrong things, it adds up after a thousand hands or so. Um, and then I, I was definitely over betting. I didn't have I didn't have software at the time. I was just kind of making a makeshift bet, bet spread. Um, so it was a combination of a lot of things. And I was playing some really crappy games too. I had some really crappy games. Uh, I think I played. I went to uh, the West Coast and thought I found a great game playing Super Fun Twenty One. Oh wow. <laughs> Uh, I was just just no clue on what uh, game evaluation was at the time, and I just thought I had an advantage anytime I sat at the table, and so I was just you know blowing money here and there left and right. Yeah, that I'm I'm sure a lot of people in year one uh, have been there or or are there. I know I played a basically break even game. I don't know how many hours, probably a hundred hours at it until I finally got some software where I could evaluate it and realized, oh, between the terrible rules and the terrible deck penetration, I'm gambling here. But I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better until, until I did. Any advice to those year one people so that they can avoid the pitfalls that you and I fell into? Uh, my advice to you is uh, don't go into casino until you're ready. And by that mean, I mean, practice, practice, practice. i I, I remember um, I knew I was ready once I could take my daughter's Sesame Street count to 100 <laughs> and turn to max and still keep the running count uh, for three decks. You know, if, if once I got past that, I, I, I was ready to go. Like, there was no distraction in the world that could, that could take me out of my game. That and with her running around and you know, having to get up and, and do something for her and then coming back and still knowing the count. Um, that that prepared me. Put yourself in the most odd and the most uncomfortable situations possible. And once you can overcome that, you're ready to go to the casino. And then just going there, I didn't have casino savviness and awareness when I stepped in. I thought every table was a table I had an advantage on and I, I thought I could win at. And it's not the case. You know, go out there. And look, I know people read books, and it's about finding the, the minimum that you can find to keep your bankroll, and and that's all fine and good, but also look at the rules. Yes. You know, if, if it's your you know, no double after split or you know no surrender or the dealer wins on 22 or yeah. whatever other <laughs> stupid rules that I've sat down and played with in my early in my career, like just take that into consideration. Like not every blackjack game to be Yes. That's awesome. Uh, I actually just filmed a video. It's probably going to be out by the time this podcast comes out, but it's called uh, basically talking about the different life skills. You know, you need to not only learn how to play perfectly, but you have to evaluate the edge of the game and find out if you should be playing it. And then it goes into, you know, getting in the hours and and, uh, kind of the casino where all that stuff. I think a lot of people... Uh, shortchange themselves. I know I did too when I started out. And so I think you're giving some really uh, sage advice. Hopefully people are going to listen to. So it's been 10 years and uh, 
you know, close to 5,000 hours or maybe 5,000 hours. What at this point would you say success looks like for you? Oh, success is, is lasting five hours in the casino for me right now. Uh-huh. That's success. Um, I don't, I don't gauge success by, uh, what I want, right? My gauge of success is the fact that, you know, I'm still able to, to play in the same market and, and get my, uh, amount of rounds slash hours golden for the year. I'm successful. I, anything under that, I, I, I deem a, a failure. I'm not looking to, to say, oh, I'm going to make, you know, 70,000 this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going for 100,000. Like, I just really want to get my, my hours in for the year. And then the rest is going to be up to the blackjack gods in the math. So, so that's, that's what success is for me. I, the dollar amount was, was never something that was on my radar from even from year one. Yeah, like you said, the money's nice, but it wasn't about the money for me. It, it was about you know filling that that gap in my life. And and now, like I said, success is it's just about continuing the program I have and, and, and getting my hours in. So, do you feel like you have an end game at this point? Yeah, um, I I I have two. One is when. Koala says that she doesn't want to come on a trip because she's tired of being <laughs> out of hotels with me. <laughs> um, two is probably when my daughter turns 16. It's, it's whatever comes first. I, I think that's my end game. Um, but until then, I'm, I'm going to be in a casino near you. <laughs> well, let's get lunch again if you're in a casino near me. <laughs> uh, any, uh, any final words or, or anything like that? Uh, a couple. Um, like I said, uh, guys, if you're out there, just be savvy. You walk into the casino, use their own rules against them. Um, I'm a big advocate of that uh, in my career. No mid-shoe entry doesn't mean it, it's horrible you know, or, or I can't get in. Use that to your advantage. If the casino is going to have a no mid-shoe entry policy or have five tables open, like all five tables. I, there's been times I've, I've gone and you know, the count gets to a minus one and I get up, I'll leave like two chips on the table and we'll walk to another table. And, and then the lady at the past table will shuffle up when she sees me at that table. You know, use that to your advantage. Bounce around. It's not going to get you caught out. You look like a gambler. You know, hey, attack those $25 minimum tables. Why? They always have the less people on them, even sometimes on the weekend. You know, I know a lot of people starting out like to go to the $5, 10 $15 tables. But they're pretty packed. You can go back, count some twenty-five dollar tables, and hey, if you have the role and you are stable, financially stable enough to do it, go play some of those tables. Those are the better games. Those are going to be the, the the less populated density tables where people are at. So go give them a shot. Um, that's my advice to the to the new guys out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I want to say some thank yous to some people. I want to thank you, Colin. Uh, long career, a lot of people have helped me through the way. Colin, I want to thank uh, my my boy P Smooth. I want to thank uh, Stealth out in uh, out in the West. Even though we we had a disagreement, but you know he was a big part of my uh, my growth. Bubbles, uh, Duke, Skymo, uh, Wacko Kid, um, uh, Marshall, uh, my boy Rob. Um, Thank my koala for being my uh, cash out 
partner in crime. <laughs> uh, my daughter for flipping cards to me <laughs> for years. Um, yeah, and uh, I think I think that's it. Dude, I really appreciate that. I mean, uh, gratitude goes goes a long way. It's nice to hear that that uh, after ten years of this, you're not jaded, but you're still thankful for the game. Uh, thankful for the people you've met through it. Uh, thankful for the the lessons you've learned. All that. That I think that's just a really great attitude to hear when there could be a lot of jaded advantage players or former advantage players out there. So thanks for sharing all that. Oh, Spartan, thank you too. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Spartan. Um, yeah. So. That's great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story with us and giving some really good advice for people out there. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun hearing about how you got from, from there to here. And I'm excited to hear where things are at in another couple of years. So thanks so much for sharing. Thank you.